0: Hi, welcome to The Bridge Podcasts. We hope you enjoy the following message. For more information on all that's happening at The Bridge Church, please visit www.bridge-church.com. And the word says that God is the Alpha and the Omega. He's the beginning and the end. And no matter what you choose to believe, if you're listening online today or if you're here, no matter what you choose to believe or who you choose to believe in. And you might believe in nobody. You might be atheistic, agnostic. You might be from some other religion or faith even. But I want to stand here this morning and tell you that these words were written before the man appeared. Not like other faiths and religions where the man came first and then the doctrine was written after. This is the only book where first of all, Jesus Christ's life was prophesied. His death was prophesied. And everything about it was prophesied and is coming to pass. So first came Joseph Smith in Mormonism. The man came first. But in this book, the Word of God, inspired by the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God himself, he he brought it. And then Jesus came. There's a huge difference. That, That is why I... That's why I stand here today. That's why I stand here today. It's because I know that this is true. And even though my wanderings and my shortcomings and my sin, I don't deserve this, but I know it's true because I see prophecy unfolding. I didn't want to be a pastor, but someone prophesied it. I'll, I'll get him one day. I resisted it. I thought you'd got things mixed up. I thought you meant my brother. No, it was really, it wasn't me. It was Gary. I'm the businessman. I'm the guy that does all that stuff. I wish, I wish you, I think you got your hands crossed over. No, here I'm standing here today. And, and so your lives have a destiny that's unfolding. Amen. And God tells us, no matter what you believe or who you believe in, that he's in our future. And whether you believe in God or not, I want to say that he is in your future. He is in your future one way or the other. And he's going to hold us accountable for the way we live our lives. Life is simple. Don't make it complicated. Jesus taught in Luke chapter 6, very simply, good saves life and evil destroys life. Can you be any can it get any simpler than that? Good saves life and evil destroys it. And so with this knowledge, today could be a day for cheers or tears. Some of us will be cheering, and some of us will be some of us will be thinking right now. Even when we were standing there worshipping and Pauline was leading us, I was thinking. I was just thinking about every line, every sentence, and what it means. Amen. Depending on how open you are to this, this morning, this gospel, this biography of a man unlike any other, depending on how your heart will receive the word today, amen, Caleb. Hopefully, that's my opinion, but hopefully this short message will go some way to changing your opinion today, amen. So, but for, if you're a Christian, today's a day for cheering. Hey! It's a day, it's a day for grandstanding. You know, you know, some people say, oh, why are you grandstanding? It's like we get to grandstand and boast on Jesus Christ. And we don't, no, we're not here to boast about ourselves or, or about how, how lovely this church is, and it is lovely, but it, it would not be anything, it would not be anything without Christ. So we're here to boast about Christ today, amen? The only man, the only man, that no matter what you choose to believe, if you choose to accept him and get to know him, he will never ever let you down. His promises and his guarantees last forever and they're not complicated, they're very simple, amen? So I I wish I could live, who wants a simpler life? I think we all, we all want a simpler life, don't we? Hands right to the back of the hall. You know, some people say, well, what gives Jesus the right to make all these claims? What gives Jesus the right to promise us this and guarantee this in his word? The answer is this. He couldn't have made any of these claims or promises unless he was victorious over the, the one entity that desired to wipe him out. He could never make these claims or promises if he hadn't defeated the grave. He could never make these claims and promises if God hadn't said, Son, you're going to earth and you're going to go to the cross. He couldn't make those claims. Amen? So, his victory was over death. And that's the thing that most people are scared. That, you know, when you say someone's scared to death it's pretty appropriate because death death just strikes people with fear, full of fear. That way. (laughs) Full of fear. And I often wonder, you know, does anyone think about this Easter weekend, have you thought about the path to the cross? Does anyone think about Gethsemane, the intense feelings and Emotions that welled up in Jesus in Gethsemane. The discouragement when he's on his nearest seemed to fall away. He was abandoned. One of them betrayed him. He was arrested, put to trial, convicted, took a beating unlike any that we would ever probably see. And then he had the excruciating steps to go to the hill of Calvary carrying his own crucifix. And I wonder about how his father God felt. Who has a son? I wonder, as as mothers and fathers, how you would feel about your firstborn, your only son in God's case, having to go through that. I think think this weekend about Bishop Dagg in Adelaide, their firstborn son died on Good Friday. And so I wonder what God is thinking because for a short time he had to turn his back on Jesus. And I discovered that it's important to handle the word correctly here because some people think that God took pleasure in seeing Jesus suffer that much. And... Some people might get the impression that he enjoyed seeing Jesus going through that punishment because if you read in Isaiah, it says there it pleased God to crush him and to bruise him. Amen. Isaiah fifty three ten says, yet it was the Lord's will to crush him and to cause him to suffer. And though the Lord makes his life an offering for sin, he will see his offspring and prolong his days and the will of the Lord will prosper in his hand. I don't believe it was truly pleasing to God to see Jesus do that, but it was permitted. He had to permit it because that was necessary to secure our salvation. Would anyone take pleasure in seeing their own son go through suffering? No. What what did please God was what was accomplished by the suffering of Jesus' son you know, sometimes the greatest fruit comes from the greatest pain. How painful was it? This sounds like a Good Friday message at the moment, but we're going to a resurrection. Romans 8, verse 32 says that God did not spare his own son. Do you know what that word spare means? It means that God showed him no leniency at all, God did not lift a finger to help his son there was no leniency but delivered him up for us all and now how shall he not with him also freely give us all things so there was an end to that suffering that made it possible for us to be the, to freely participate in God's favor to have his pardon for to have him forgive us amen hallelujah so the depth of the the depth of Jesus's suffering showed the measure of his love for his, his father. And the greater that suffering was, the love scale just went up. The greater the suffering, the greater the hurt, the greater the pain. The greater the sacrifice. Imagine God's heart seeing his son being willing and going through with that. Imagine his Imagine his pleasure in that. that. That must be the greatest feeling on Earth. to see, the word tells us, greater love has no man than this than to lay down his life for somebody else. Amen. So God's level of giving is, God's level of giving is incredible. It's, it's unlike our level. His love is incredible. Because he didn't just give, he didn't just think of you and I, born again, saved. He says, I'm going to give my son up for our enemies. I'm even giving Jesus for our enemies. Amen. You know, sometimes God moves in our hearts in the areas that we hurt the most. And you see, some people sitting here today that have, have got very deep wounds of, from life, very deep hurts and it's in those very places that God is going to do something with your life when you when you can take those hurts and those wounds and you can let him have them he will begin to transform your life amen those scars might be there it's like we're going to finish with a song today like a lion I just love, that. you know, growing up in Africa, there's nothing, there's nothing more beautiful than the face of a, of, a, of, a, of a daddy lion or lioness, because all the battle scars are on their face. You know, and, 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 and God wants us to be bold as lions in the days that we live in. I want to read in Romans 8, 32, just from the NLT version, from verse 31, and I'm going to whiz through it. What shall we say about such wonderful things as these? If God is for us, who can be against us? Since he did not spare even his own son, but he gave, capital G-A-V-E, he gave him up for us all. So won't he also give us everything else? What a promise. Who dares accuse us whom God has chosen for his own? Who would dare accuse you if God has chosen you? Nobody, for God himself has given us right standing with himself. Who's going to condemn you, church? No one. For Christ Jesus died for us and was raised to life for us, the the resurrection. And he's sitting in the place of honor at God's right hand pleading for us. Can anything separate us from Christ's love? Like Pauline prayed this morning, east to west, east to west, nothing can separate us from Christ's love. Does it mean He no longer loves us if we have trouble or calamity or are persecuted or hungry or destitute or in danger or even if we are threatened with death? Because the scriptures say, for your sake, we are killed every day, we're being slaughtered like sheep. No, despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Jesus Christ, who loved us. And I'm convinced that nothing can separate us from God's love, neither death nor life, no angel or demon, neither our fears for today or worries about tomorrow, of which there are multitudes. Not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or in the earth beneath. Nothing in creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that's revealed in Jesus Christ and what he did. What he did. God set an example in giving. Do you look for examples in life? The greatest example who ever lived is Jesus Christ. And God is not only interested in us being givers, because reciprocation, hard word to say, giving and, giving and taking is all part of life. What he is really interested in is not so much the giving, but giving like him, giving the way he gave. Isn't that right? And if we consider the implications of that statement, It takes us to the root of everything in our life. What makes whatever giving we do fruitful or unfruitful? Successful or unsuccessful? It's the attitude and the motivation of the giver. And God gave Jesus up. He didn't grudge. He didn't withhold anything at all. I think that in my own, I'm speaking personally just now, I'll probably lose a lot more. I'll probably lose a lot more in life before the end of my life. I'm not prophesying, I'm not making a negative statement, but there are still things in life that God wants to take. He wants to see if I'll let them go. He wants to see, will you let it, will you trust me? Enough. Amen. Jesus knew that by giving Jesus, God knew that by giving Jesus up to the cross as our substitute, that death would eventually give way to life. Amen. The grave couldn't hold him. I don't know how heavy that stone was. I know it was a, it was a stone hewn tomb, but the grave couldn't hold him. Nothing could hold him. The power of the resurrection, when you see the ground shaking, I mean, the power of the resurrection. The beautiful exchange that took place then, amen? It's, It's about giving because giving always makes way for a resurrection. Giving always makes way for fruit. And it could be a resurrection in your life or somebody else's life that you know. In 2 Corinthians chapter 9, we just have a few moments to go to Corinthians chapter 9. Do you have your Bibles with you today? <sighs> Is it on your phone? You can have it on your phone. That's okay. But we sell Bibles and we give Bibles away. And if you don't have a Bible, will you please come and see me after the service? <laughs> I'll say, I'm going to get your Bible because there's something about paper, something about having God's word on a bit of paper. And there's something about being able to write your thoughts in, the, in your Bible and to write God's thoughts in your Bible. 2 Corinthians 9. I really don't need to, you to write to you about this ministry of giving for the believers in Jerusalem, for I know how eager you are to help. I think that was a faith statement. And I've been boasting to the church, I've been boasting to the churches in Macedonia that you in Greece were ready to send an offering a year ago. In fact, it was your enthusiasm that stirred up many of the Macedonian Macedonian believers to begin giving. See, once once enthusiasm starts stirring in you, it's it's like it's like a a virus. Yeah, let's have more of that virus and less of the other one. The enthusiasm that starts stirring in you, it catches. And all of a sudden, the way that you give, the way that you celebrate, people begin to catch that. The way that, the, that our worshipers begin to worship and celebrate is the way that we'll begin to catch it. And the word says that God spins over us in heaven. He's like dancing over us in heaven. And so we, when we put our thoughts there and we see, you know, when we understand that the Jesus loves to dance. The man after God's own heart, David, loved to dance. People said, listen, you're making a fool of yourself here. You need to slow down, chill out, calm down. Just sit, take a seat for a minute. He's like, no, you don't understand. You don't understand what God has done for me. You don't understand. A lot of people will not understand your your joy and happiness. (laughs) They're not going to understand it. Sometimes I don't even understand it. But deep down in me, I know that this life, at the end of this life, there's an eternity in heaven. But I'm sending, verse 3, I'm sending these brothers to be sure you're really ready as I've been telling them and that your money is all collected. I don't want to be wrong in my boasting about you. We would be embarrassed not to mention your own embarrassment if some believers came with me and found that you weren't ready after all that I told them. So I thought I should send these brothers ahead of me to make sure the gift that you promised is ready. But I want it to be a willing gift. I don't want it to be given grudgingly. No pressure. Remember this, a farmer who plants only a few seeds will get a small crop, but the one who plants generously will get a generous crop. You must each decide in your heart how much to give and never give reluctantly or in response to pressure. So even if your wife or your husband gives you the side eye, you just say, no, I, you know, or your friends or your pe- whoever, you know, it's, it's your heart. Between you and God. For God loves a person who gives cheerfully and God will generously provide all you need. Then you will always have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others. As the scriptures say, they share freely and they give generously to the poor and so their good deeds will be remembered forever. Like forever. Forever. For God is the one who provides seed for the farmer and then bread to eat in the same way. He'll provide and increase your resources and then produce a great harvest of generosity in you. Yes, you will be enriched. The tapestry, the weave. You will be enriched in every way so that you can always be generous. And when we take your gifts to the people who need them, they will thank God. This gift came to the people who needed it. So two good things will result from this ministry of giving. The needs of the believers in Jerusalem will be met and they will joyfully express their thanks to God. And as a result of your ministry, they'll give glory to God for your generosity to them and to all believers will prove that you're obedient to the good news of Christ. And they'll pray for you with deep affection. So when you, when you are so giving, people will pray for you with deep affection. It's like, I hope, I hope I see Dion again. She's a good giver. They'll pray for you with deep affection. You know, it's God's will to give to us even before we declare what we need. The Bible says it's his will and his good pleasure. Before we, before we even say to God, I have this need, he is already willing to give. Amen? If I look in my own life, I usually respond to giving after the need has been expressed. So someone comes to me and says, I need this. And I'm thinking, hang on, God already had the sensitivity, the knowledge, the discernment and the wisdom to know that that need would be required. And he made sure that the need was met before we had to ask for it. Think about that in terms of the people in your life. Amen? Amen. Some of us don't give that way, but giving like God means giving before any need is expressed. Some people will not give unless a demand is made. You know it's like you get the thing through them. It's like you get your council tax. or your, you know, who leaves their bills to the last minute plus 30 days? Plus 30 days. Red, red, double red, triple red. It's court summons bailiffs at the door. You know, it's like, you know, some people wait until the demand is made or until they have no other choice. But God's way of giving gives before a need even arises. That's why God wants our storehouse to be full. Because when the need arises, we don't want to go and do a quick whip round. Because if the storehouse is already full with the the counselors, the disciples, the evangelists, the pastors, the prophets, the the worship team ministry, the resources, the training, the money, the food bags, if the storehouse is already full, we won't be caught short when the, the need is expressed. Amen. Thanks for listening. Remember to visit our website, www.bridge-church.com and connect with us via Facebook and Twitter.